just the other day If there was a day I could erase I would choose just the other day Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora. Hello, hello and welcome. This is episode three of The Other Day with Hwani Hortene. It's uh, kind of interesting because we are recording this before episode two, but this should be a great show. I am joined in the studio today by two very funny Wellington comedians. Uh, the first is Licky Lyons, a friend of many podcasts that I've done and a recent finalist in the Wellington, two-time finalist in the Wellington Raw Quest finals. Uh, very nice to have you here. And the other is Zach Mandeville. Hello, hello. Yes, hello, hello. One of the more surrealist sort of comedians in the Wellington scene has had a lot of experience in both Wellington and in New York. We'll be talking to them both about their experience in uh, comedy and everything else in between, I suppose. Comedy and everything else in between. There's been nothing else mentioned so far, but we'll talk about other things as well. Um, How are you guys doing today? Thanks for joining the show. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for having me. Two-time finalist. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Licky is talking about how he graciously uh, gave me the the win in the first finalist that he uh, he was in. Oh, Uh, well, I have to say this. I went up after you, and you had done so well that by the time I'd got out there, they they were done, and they were like, "Who is this person, and why is he here?" It was horrific. <laughs> it was but, uh, not you horrific. Did so well, <laughs> so well. Uh, Licky also did very very well. Um, uh, Zach, you you never would have done the raw quest, I, I suppose. You would have come into Wellington and the country, kind of already quite established. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't consider myself raw or whatever. Uh, I don't or. Yeah, I, I I had done comedy for too long, um, I, I think. It didn't stop a lot of other people, though, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we appreciate it. You appreciate I had your honesty. A, yeah, I had a weird conversation once, like, in the back room of a show or whatever, where someone was telling me about the Rock Comedy Quest. They'd be like, oh, I, well, I've been doing comedy for a while. Like, well, you can still enter. And I was like, well, I, I'm not, I think I'm okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great, but I don't know if I'm the fit. And they'd be like, no, I mean, you can enter. And I was like, is this now, like, a weird, subtle, like... <laughs> I've seen your jokes. They yeah. are they. You should enter and then have somebody judge you. I, right, I'm just right. saying, yeah. The insistent stop being friendly. Weird. <laughs> well, Very threatening. It is an interesting thing because uh, what is it? There was an interview with. Uh, have you seen the one? And it's got like Ray Romano, and it has. Um, who's the director? He's the. Is it Judd Apatow? Judd Apatow. Okay, and they were both doing. Um, it was kind of like a it was like a newcomer comedy competition, and Ray Romano is like quite a bit older than Judd Apatow, and Judd was saying like he's so much older. Apparently, he was doing comedy for ages. Um, Long time. You mean Ray? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was this recent or was it old or eighties? Yeah, it was like eighties oh, or something. Yeah. But I, I kind of like the idea because do you know what I mean? It's just a it's a competition thing. But really, you're just trying to get something on your CV so that people will give you a chance to do something else. It's not, um, you know, it's not the Olympics or something. Well, you, you know? actually right. won it though. Yeah, and, and how it, has that changed your life? It's, it gives you a chance. Like people, it's almost like they have to give you a chance to be on shows. Do you know what I mean? I like I, I thought about it before. I've talked about it as being like a high draft pick in the NBA. Uh, I don't think either of you two watch the NBA, 
But like, if you if you're a high draft pick, right, you still have to be good on the court or whatever. But you, you're gonna get minutes. You know, the guy in the second round, they might let him practice, but he's not gonna be on the court. But if you're picked high enough, they they have to give you time on the court. All right. And how did you find that? Were you up to it? It's kind of a challenge. You it's, know, you went and did a whole bunch of shows in Auckland. Yeah. I think it's been good. You know, I, I think I've gotten a chance to do a lot of stuff that maybe I wouldn't have done if uh, if I hadn't hadn't won that. But, you know, it's a long game. Like, it's a it's just comedy. I, I try to tell myself that uh, because we're still, like, real early in it. But I think regardless of whatever CV thing, it's kind of objective, right? Like, it's the hard work, it's the laughs that is going to get you through. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot of Raw Quest winners that have not gone on to do... Into the abyss. Yeah, as in they've just stopped doing comedy, which I think is quite a common thing, yeah. Have you won any sort of Raw Quest? Yeah. I've, I've not won anything in my life. It's just a... Hilarious. <laughs> Me too, brother. Me too. Wants, yeah. <laughs> Well, you you did a lot of comedy in New York. I mean, that kind of comes when you when you say that you did comedy in New York. Does that give you a bit of like a like a what is it a cachet that you think kind of gets you through some doors? And yeah, I think so. here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because anyone can do it, um, especially like if you have five dollars or whatever, and you want to pay for an open mic, that they'll let you mm. on stage, and then you can be like, I've done it in New York, or whatever. Um, and there is something of like, yeah, it like raised. Sometimes I'll tell people like, oh yeah, I came, I was doing comedy, and they're like, oh wow, or whatever. It's like if it meant anything, you would probably know me and not like ask if I've ever done comedy before. Like me then telling you after the fact, yeah, I've done it, but in a you know a big city, and like, oh, you are funny. I was like, <laughs> you <laughs> just, should have known this by now. Like, mm. yeah. You just saw me perform, and then you're asking, have you done this before? You know what I mean? Like, But, uh, yeah, because I, I remember um, when I first started doing stand-up here, I did a show at uh, The Fringe, and it did not get any laughs, really. Or it was like, and maybe I was trying to not get laughs. It was, it was a real You are long, quite a meta-comedian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long can I go before I do comedy? Uh, but then this person after was like, uh, it could tell that, yeah, I was not from here or whatever. And he was like, do you ever think about teaching classes? Like, it would be really good to, you know, get insights from you. I'm like, you just saw me bomb. But <laughs> <laughs> in an interesting way. Yeah, you know? I have nothing to teach you. Oh, man. I can help you with your accent, maybe, so other people think that you're, like, also American. But, like, that is not enough to, like... That would be on. a great way to finish a bombing set. It's like, you guys think that I wasn't very funny, but... Did you guys know I've done this in New York? That's on us. That's on us. It's been very well before. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, specifically in Wellington, I've, I've come across a lot of people who are very impressed by anyone that has performed in, in the States and New York specifically. Mm. But they seem to, they do love it. It's kind of like a middle class dream, you know? To do it in New York? Yeah, or just to know someone who did it in New York. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think it gives. I think people really do value. Like, if you go away and then come back, right? Like, people just kind of. That's. I. I don't know. I don't know the it's story. Forced experience. It. If you go somewhere, you're gonna experience something, and hopefully that comes in your art. You know. Mm. I think that's what you just assume that they're growing while they're gone. But lots of people don't grow. 
Lots of people come back um, the same, if not worse, than when they left, you know. From traveling. Yeah, for sure. Doesn't broaden the mind for everybody. It does not. Depends on where you go. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry. That did come across as sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a very valid point about how sometimes people go away and they come back exactly the same. Uh, sometimes location does not help anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh we 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 all do a lot of uh we all do a lot of open mics together um Licky, you've recently been going on a trip of doing as little material as possible how yeah. has that been going well it's really hard it's really hard to start with because i moved to wellington to do this i was surrounded by um like people with arts degrees. Mm. And so I felt, I, I didn't even know I did this, but I felt like I had to write things that would impress these people, like to show that I could write. It's very difficult for me because I'm illiterate. But um, recently I've been a little more freer on stage and I've, I've been able to see more um, different styles of crowd work, like variations of it. And I've realized that to make, to be ultimately more comfortable on stage, um, go up with nothing and and see what you come out with. I mean, you saw me last Wednesday. How was that? Last Wednesday, the Wednesday just been. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good. That was interesting. It I was think if you had been, no, it was good. You were you were first on doing just crowd work, um, and I think if you'd been on later in the show, it would have popped off even more than it did. But it was good. Uh, it's it's interesting to be to be first and do a lot of crowd work. I think the first spot in those, especially pro shows, the first person who has to go on almost has to do their preordained set because they've just there's so little in the show to to draw from already usually the MC will have done anything that the MC has kind of drawn on is kind of like explored uh, to a certain level but I mean you're just it's an open mic so it doesn't matter it does matter it does matter I'd like to talk to both of you about your own versions of crowd work and, and what you guys do but then come back to you always doing professional shows with the humorous and then always going first because you're just <laughs> that good that you just have to go out there it's um, yeah okay you ask your question and uh, then well, yeah. the, well come to that with crowd work first crowd work do you guys do crowd work at all yeah yeah um I'm trying to do more of it Probably. You never want to, um, there's the crowd work where you're like seeking people out and, and saying, hey, what do you do? And, and such. But I think it's just important to like be aware that there are people in the room or whatever, and that it's a special room mm. that it's, it's not going to exist again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's so, nice. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're acting like you're behind plate glass, like, uh, that's not good. And so like, I do try to, um, that was my whole style when I started. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just look to, like, the upper left and just sort of try to recite exactly as it sounded in the shower as you were, like, rehearsing yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, because it's one of those um, where, like, you will have some joke that you find real funny or whatever, right? And, like, this is, like, perfectly written and this is so good or whatever. And it's, like, mm-hmm. intellectual but still emotional and, and short. Uh, but then, like, you go out and you see someone who, like... Tells the crowd, like, that guy before, he had a pretty funny jacket on. And then the crowd loses <laughs> it for that. Yeah, they love it. <laughs> they really love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But it's just because the guy did have a funny jacket, right? And, like, if you had gone to another show, there wouldn't have been a guy wearing a funny jacket. Like, it's just a, an awareness that you're in the room together. And it doesn't matter, like, how good your stuff is. 
if you're not like if you have zero charisma if you're like wanting to like be tentative around the crowd that doesn't feel good to the crowd and so like yeah adjusting your sets in whatever way to be active with where you're at uh, for me that's the romance of it of of the comedy is uh like actually being there understanding that this is a one-time only audience yeah that's what takes it away when people do the paint behind the pane of glass thing like I, I remember seeing people do their sets and feeling like this is like, this is like something I would see on YouTube in real life, in the sense that like, I feel like you're doing the exact same wording, exact same timing, exact same everything, um, which I think you kind of have to do when you're starting you out. It's a defense right? mechanism. Yeah. Don't look at the audience. Don't don't uh, even acknowledge them. Just get out there bum rush your material, and then get off. That was my mm. whole game plan. I like doing crowd stuff if it's kind of like, I like it when I've thought about something for a long, long time and then I'm coming out and then I'm talking about that thing. So if the audience, because when, when I was away, I did, oh man, every show that I happened to do had somebody who was like shouting out or somebody who was like joining it. Sometimes they just get super excited. Honestly, I did... um. You know the joke I do. Well, I'll I'll do a joke and I'll be like, "You guys know about that place, Spick Savers," and somebody in the back of the room was like, "I work there," and it was, <laughs> they were just so excited that yeah. where their, their workplace was getting shouted out in the show. I was like, There's nothing. People were just so happy. Like that's yeah. the weird thing about people who are shouting out in shows. Sometimes they're actually the the nicest people that you actually you want more of those people in the show because they're. They're actually just bringing joy. You yeah, know what I mean? Energy. Yeah. Did you talk to them? Oh, I added one line. I was like, hilarious. You didn't yeah. even feed the, well, the energy they had. It's funny because what they did was just so happy and fun anyway that I could just go through with the rest of the joke and it was like, I, you know, I mentioned, I like referenced it, but it, it was just such a, I don't know. It sounds weirdly like youth group is like, what a joyful occasion that we're here. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like when you're a teenager and someone shouts out your high school. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. That's the, I don't know. People seem to have pride. One eight three. That's <laughs> uh, I think that's our address on the street. Yeah. Uh, one eight three Waterloo Road, St Bernard's. Yeah. SBC one eight three. Yeah, man. Um, very nice. We were a decile five school down the road from a decile ten. Uh, I don't. They What's the best? The best is one. The best is ten, I think. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. I think I went to a DSL three school. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, bullet spots. Oh, for for those good shows. Well, just in general, every pro show that I've done with you, like you've been marched out at the front to take that bullet spot, and uh, and you've met that rule gracefully and hilariously. I think it's in a weird way. I think it's like when you first get on shows, you get put in like the middle. Because your people are less sure about you, that's a safer spot to be. Mm. And then you get more sure about somebody, and you put them first. And then when they He's get a bit of fame, <laughs> maybe you put them last. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, but that is true, though. Uh, do you do? I mean, how many lineup shows do you do? I don't know. Probably not enough. You um, did the bullet spot for our club sandwich show. Yeah, yeah. It was one of three, but it's still, like, uh, not really a warmed-up audience. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about going first? I 
it's all the same to me. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't notice it too much. I don't, uh, which is probably not good. I don't, but, uh, I don't want to get too up your own ass with it. You know what I mean? No, or like, like this guy over here. He's like, uh, once they're super uh, confident in your ability, they'll put you first. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Th- thank you, Jerome, for knowing that I'm so good at comedy. That uh, Yeah. Yeah, he jokes, but it is true, Lou. <laughs> it is true. I went up fourth on a, uh, on a show with him. He went up first and killed it and just set up the night to be really nice. And then I went up fourth and I just died. So, you know, who knows? It's going to be 20 years later you're still going to be bringing up this show. Oh, I hope so. It hurt. (laughs) (laughs) You bombed in front of 400 people? It's terrible. Also, the the number of people keeps going up as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 780 people, dude. It was Westpac Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the power of the mind. Imagination. Uh, we were talking a little bit about what you might have been doing before comedy. Look at you said you didn't even think you were creative. No, I I, um, I was just super emotional, you know. I didn't really uh, – I knew that I wanted to do stand-up for a long time, um, but I didn't see a, a future in where that would work. Um, and then um, I had like a midlife crisis at 30. Mm. Um and then decided uh, if I'm going to work for the rest of my life anyway, I might as well go try a live performance. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's been amazing. You know, you meet nice people. And you people. came to Wellington for stand-up comedy. Pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. Um, it was more achievable than it was to go to Auckland um, just because I didn't want to have to go to, like, another massive city. And then, um, you know, I wouldn't be living in the city. I'd be living in, um, in, in a suburb and just commuting all the time, which I was already already doing you know yeah yeah did you do anything before comedy creative um i was doing i was trying to do before doing comedy i wanted to do documentary filmmaking i quite liked documentary films um and i was doing a documentary about a place like i was doing a documentary about um this party that was happening at this this apartment building and meeting those guys is where also the first comedy gig I ever did. So it did kind of lead into comedy. But, but did yeah. you know that you wanted to do comedy before you even? Yeah, I wanted comedy? to do comedy. I, I wanted to do comedy the same way that like I wanted to be an all black. Do you know what I mean? Or like oh, a movie yeah. star, or a rock star. I just thought it was one of those things where everybody wanted to do those things. You know what I mean? Like I knew I couldn't do those things. But I thought I could do comedy. Mm. Yeah. I dreamed I could have been a singer when I was a kid and then I didn't follow through at all. But What kind of music did you dream about when you were younger? (sighs) Probably lame. You probably think it. I I always like the folksy sound. (laughs) Like I like like hip-hop and everything as well, but I never thought that I would be coming out as like a hip-hop guy. I thought I'd be like... Mumford and Sons? Yeah, Passenger. (laughs) (laughs) What an odd dream. Um, I like the idea that you were uh, worried that we were going to make fun of you (laughs) as a child dreaming. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What about you? Did you, how, like, are you from a performing background? Were you raised in performance? No, no. I mean, I I did, um, yeah, before doing comedy, I was uh, cutting hair. I was a barber. Oh, no way. uh, But I was also... I wanted to be a writer, I think, was Me the first. Too. Yeah, yeah. Were there writers that you were particularly attracted to? Like sexually? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, 
Flannery mm-hmm. O'Connor, um, uh, Salman Rushdie, like mm-hmm. just on a physical level. Uh, cannot stand his writing, but uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I liked writing. I forgot the question now. I just would think about Salman Rushdie. Uh, like a well, more creative. Well, did you, yeah, who did you like aspire to be like when you, who was oh, your yeah, passenger? Yeah, yeah. Who was my passenger? Yeah. Um, Flan O'Brien. So this is not sincere or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's Irish genius. Uh, Vladimir Nabokov or Nabokov or what have you. And then uh, Charles Portis meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they were all amazing. Um, and so I really like wordplay. They all do wordplay. Um, but, and I wrote zines and like, so I had a lot of self-published stuff and I was in some bands that would like tour the town next door and from the town what I were you in, doing in that band? Playing banjo. Wow. I would play banjo and sing. Wow. Yeah. And are you still playing banjo? Uh, I, I still have it in me, but I didn't bring it over. Uh, it would, it cost too much to, to take over the last time I was home. So you were barber that played the banjo and toured local towns. I was trying to live in the 30s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that move on to uh, live, live comedy? I had like a, a, a breakdown of sorts or whatever. Like a, I had my Saturn return. Uh, and uh, so like everything, uh, like I had just broken up with this lady and like that was mm. uh, a whole other things or whatever because I was like, I was young enough that like your life gets like oh this is what I do or this is who I am or whatever and then when that part goes away I'm like who am I yeah and then I was cutting a person's hair and I asked them what they're up to and they're like oh I'm going to buy an open bike tonight I'm doing some comedy Whoa. and I thought that sounded cool and then I went and it was cool and then I was in this like um, this like small college punk town and so like it had a really strong good scene like it, it had a really strong good music scene and like art scene and then it turned out comedy scene as well and so there was like a just wanting to get to meet the people and I don't know if you all have this but like uh, if I'm in like a new group and I find someone cool like I have Mm. a hard time like going up and saying hi or like casually having a conversation in which we get to know each other or whatever but if I could somehow engineer a performance in which then they <laughs> so like, that performance is really cool, good or whatever. And I'd be like, thank you. What movies do you like? Oh, like, wow. I had that feeling, yeah. I, I do know that feeling. Uh, I know that feeling from doing comedy because <laughs> I was really interested in New Zealand comedy before being a New Zealand comedian. And now I'm meeting comedians that uh, I've been watching for like years you know, and I, I'll, I'll be like, hey, like, I really enjoy your stuff. I've been watching it for quite a while. Um, and then I'll go to their birthday and they'll be younger than I am. And I'll be like, why did I tell this person? <laughs> I should have never told this kid that I look up to him. Like, <laughs> I don't know. How do they react when you tell them that you have been a fan? Um, oh, they feel chuffed. I don't know. Like I think they're. I think they're kind of used to it. I. I just kind of regret saying it because I feel like you just see them around. You know. You Who don't are we want... talking about it specifically? Because this, this sounds like this happened uh, to a specific person. You don't have to say. Names. I yeah. <laughs> I when when we were in Melbourne, uh, I must admit, 
like Melanie Bracewell, who's like a good big comedian both here and there. Um, and she would always say, "Hey, when we were when we were out and about and everything, which was which was real nice." And I remember seeing her in uh, after that gala thing, and the then rats. she was like, "Hey, yeah, I saw these guys in in uh, Melbourne." I would be like, "Hey," and I was saying like, "Yeah, it made us feel real good and normal." And then I uh, I just sort of just recently saw that she's like four months younger than I am, so it feels weird. Like, what? Feel- how old is she? She's 28. Wow. Yeah. I'm Maybe so we, old. <laughs> so I'm the, so old. That's the, the double edge of comedy or whatever, right? Is like uh, you will see other comedians who are like, oh, they didn't get their break until they were 55. Yeah. Like I've still got yeah. time. But yeah. then also as you're working, you're like, I may not get my break until I'm 55. Like, yeah, shout out to yeah. Rodney Dangerfield and yeah. a whole bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a big fan of Rodney Dangerfield, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I saw him mostly on, like, um, Tonight Shows on YouTube. Yeah, but then and, you looked uh, up his, his documentary. And his I meant to write it down. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, he talks a lot about that, too. But also, he was a completely crazy person who just would do shows in a robe um, with nothing on underneath. Yeah. Um, larger than life. Larger than life. Yeah, he was a salesman for a long time. I think the the life that you live outside of it, like before, because you were working in hotels for quite a while. Yeah. Barbering, I imagine you were talking a lot to people as well. It's um, really interesting. Mm. I only thought about this. I thought nothing I did in my prior lives was helpful at all for comedy. And I found that just because I was writing and performing. But um, in this evolution that I'm in now, now I'm talking to people and I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of crossover from being in hotels and having people come through the front door and you you aim to greet them, say something witty so they like you, and then make them move on because there's like a thousand more people behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's some crossover there, you know. Probably similar with bar- barbering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any sort of crossover from your previous lives to this? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I was constantly performing. I was just doing bits. Just, As a barber, <laughs> yeah, they would ask me to stop. I wouldn't even cut their hair. Just, <laughs> 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 no, I mean, there's probably. I mean, you're you're trying to find the um, common ground, and then I think the mistake is to like assume that the common ground is like the most boring thing, uh, and so like there is a little bit of um, like I, I I came to comedy sl- like quite lonely or whatever. Mm. Um, and 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 feeling lonely, and then there is the it's like a feedback loop, but it's also just this like really special thing, I guess, of like I would like build up my armor and be like, I'm gonna bomb tonight, like I'm gonna do something that I feel real proud of, and I know it's gonna fail because it's weird or it's whatever, um, or it's like really personal to me, like it matters to me, and then I say it, and then there's recognition in the audience, and so like not only do you get like laughter, but then you're like, oh, these people understand this part of me or whatever. Right. Like there is recognition, which means I'm not alone at this level. And then you want to try all these other things. Right. Like, am I alone in this? Am I alone in this? And continually you're not. And then that becomes addicting of sorts. I mean, you've got such weird stuff and uh, it's so relatable, but it's not your um, you ever on the train or it's not like a Seinfeldian. They're like deep observations about um, hydration or relationship (laughs) with uh, with wildlife. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then when you do that, you find out that the whole crowd loves it and they're all on board and they all have a similar part of them that, that they're relating to you. Well, exactly. that's how I felt when I saw you yeah, for the yeah. first couple of times. I was like, oh, this is brilliant and so different to, to everything else. Um, what about you? Do you have anything from prior lives? Uh, prior you, lives? Yeah, you uh, Yeah, I was – like I think – genuinely I think a big part of coming into comedy kind of confident was from – like not confident with jokes, just kind of confident to talk to people was from – um, oh, you know, when I was a kid, like a high school kid, I would do like youth group and I was like a youth group leader, which, you know, isn't much, but you do talk to some people. And then I did travel. Uh, and then I was, I was the party guy. Like I was a, a volunteer at a hostel. So I was the guy who would take people to the nightclubs in uh, in Madrid and in a little while in Barcelona. Um, but also in Ireland, yeah, I just kind of went – when I went to Europe, I just kind of looked for volunteering at hostel places because I knew – because I went on my own. But Was I've that been, free accommodation? Yeah, free food and accommodation. Wow. Um, and then – but I because I'd been in hostels, I was like, oh, I know that this will be the place where I can meet people um, and then I won't be too worried. So when I was in, when I was in Ireland, I kind of made it a point to just – chat to everybody um who came in and when you're when you're like the volunteer for the hostel you have a reason like as long as you have a reason to talk to somebody like you're at the hostel that i'm volunteering at i'm trying to make you feel welcome okay that's that's the reason we can i can just talk to you i'm not being a creep yeah yeah and it's weird because in comedy the reason you can talk to these people is that they've come to a comedy show and you're performing for them so it's it it, uh, you know what's hilarious is that being in a hotel, right? I'm, I, I am, and I have the most. I've got a. There's a word for it, but the highest level of anxiety, and it's horrific. But when I was in hotels, in a suit with a badge with my name on it and mm. the uh, crest for the hotel, I'm. I felt like I belonged, in in a similar way to you in a hostel, and that's how I, I figured that out. And it's weird because uh, you're talking about how you got into comedy. Um, you you came through an end of a relationship, and then kind of um, moved on from there. I relate to that too. But uh, sorry, I just thrown back. Um, oh, no, it's cool. The other the other thing is that you become the person that people go to for questions and things, mm. which which is always really nice. You know, it's so easy to talk to people when they're coming to you to ask a question that you know about. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just think not only was that good for talking to people, you would be talking to people from every country that happens to be out and you would, you know, have, I, this is going to sound weird, but I always found the soldiers really fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, especially because. What it, so, do you mean? Like American soldiers who were out and away from the thing, it always seemed like they were aware that there was a weird reputation with them, but they were always in good spirits. If that makes sense. Do you, I don't know what it would be like. Maybe they're, you know, I imagine they're incredibly patriotic, but these must be the soldiers who have left America enough to, to go to Spain and see see life. Also Australians. But they yeah, get a lot, lot of up. confidence. They're just yeah. blindly confident, which is good <laughs> and bad, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I think that uh, Americans get a bad rap, but I've met some wonderful Americans. I mean, we deserve 
95 to 98% of it. Or it's the whole tree for the forest, a forest for the tree. Like, you don't kind of represent all of America, do you? No. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There was a pause. They're all like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like a, it's just a bunch of people. 100 million facts. You've got them all Tender on Snapchat. She's wanting to read a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. So, but I wanted to talk about maybe some of the stranger things that you've uh, that you've seen in shows, and and we'll talk a little bit about maybe something you've seen out there. Uh, do you guys have have something that you want to, or do you want me to kind of kick it off with some? Yeah, and, kick it off, set the vibes. Well, uh, this is one of the things that I I might have been mentioning to to Zach the other day is that we did. Do you remember? You might have been at this powwow show where there was a guy who was heckling all the acts. But he was filming himself. Uh, so he was filming himself heckling other people's jokes. And then in the break, I overheard him saying, like, usually I do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I want to hate this guy. But to be honest with you, I kind of want to see what he's doing. Like, Well, the weird thing was is that this was a show with three people at, and he was one of them. Do you know what I mean? He, I, I think the story in my mind, I've built a story of him being the kind of guy who, where other comedians are putting their jokes and things on TikTok, he's going out and putting his own heckles on TikTok. Have you ever seen a guy specifically trying to make it as a heckler? I mean, I love it. I love the idea. I think this guy's a genius. <laughs> um, I, and, you know, I should by all means hate this person, but I'm like, that That does sound interesting. Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. I find it much I, – I would find it really hard to heckle in a, in a comedy show. Like, that takes a different level of confidence. <laughs> you, you're working two crowds, right? Like, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're trying to get everyone on your side and – uh, disarm the. I, I like to imagine that all of the heckle videos, like if you go on YouTube and look up comedian plus, you know, comedian takes down heckler, oh, you yeah. realize they're all uploaded from the same account. <laughs> he doesn't realize that he's watching so many TikTok careers, but oh, not his own. He's trying to support comedy mm-hmm. by being the heckler that the comedians take down. He's exactly. far a man for yeah. the heckler videos. Yeah, he's like the bass player in a jazz troupe, right? Like he's. He's putting down the the. Oh, the I didn't realize that or... the b- bass player was kind of seen as the. Uh... Oh no, he's the floor. He's the, the bomb. yeah yeah. Oh, man, I'm trying <laughs> to do a bass. Oh. I tell you what, I find interesting. Well, that um, I wish that I had. Uh, there's so many bad stories about people in shows, um, and they're all terrible people, or they're just going through something, <laughs> I guess. But something that I've uh, I've noticed: if you don't watch a lot of comedy, um, and you and you do comedy, you for some weird reason, like the nature of the universe, you end up doing the same jokes that other people are doing. Um, I'm lucky that I talk about like uh, my own life and and I'm like my own self deprecating. Well, you or, can't um, you can't accidentally because that's probably what's happened the most is people have accidentally gone into a space that somebody else has gone into, and then you kind of fall into their way of speaking about it as well. Yeah, yeah, Zach, it's, you are. Oh, you, oh yeah. Well, we've only got a little bit of time, so I want to get to your story too, especially because you kind of do quite like a maybe abstract is abstract absurd. There's there is like sort of that that element to your like I, I've seen you do sets and I've 
looked at the crowd and wondered if they understand which jokes are happening right now. Do you would like not in a like are they dumb sort of way? It's but just they like are dumb. No, well, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember that. Like, is that a nice thing to hear? No, the, it is. The it is. You're very smart. <laughs> well, it's just some of your jokes are meta jokes about jokes that have happened in the past. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it does sometimes require like a, an understanding of uh, of comedy. But have you had like the situations? The audience member that I'm always looking for, the person who. Laughs at all the right jokes. The right <laughs> Aristocrats. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, there is a... I was just thinking... Because um, like, you like good comedy or whatever. And a lot of comedy is real bad. And I think that there is like a near like mystic thing where you just... You have to live like an interesting, good life. It, it doesn't have to be like exciting. But mm. it just has to be your own, you know? Yeah. And like when you go to... Uh, like so often like I'll go to an open mic or whatever... And then I was mentioning this before, or whatever, of uh, hearing people do jokes in which you can break it down to either I was watching a show on Netflix or I was reading uh. Twitter when this thing was said. And if everyone is doing that, like if you're not pulling anything from your own life in any sort of way, you're just trying to look for the funny, mm. but you're on your computer doing it. You know what 90% I mean? Ninety percent of people around us, I think, do that. Yeah, it's too many. But it also you just see memes. People are doing memes, and Ooh, they're, yeah. they're successful memes. We've all seen this meme. Yeah. And you're, okay, you know, all right, cool, cool, cool. That's, it's, well, that's, it's why hard, that's why it's hard with something like wordplay, I think, sometimes, is because, you know, there has been, like, wordplay or, like, a simple turn of phrase, like, instead of saying, oh, man, um, I, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, like, just when when something is on Twitter or X now, but when something is like a meme version of things, like you have a hundred thousand people around the world making the same joke. Oh, okay. So when I when I was doing Raw the first time, I had a joke about: Is anybody here with a significant other? Is anybody here with an insignificant other? And the, you know the crowd lights up because that joke is like unreal. But <laughs> <laughs> do I care about these people I'm here with? I don't know. <laughs> but I did like look that up on Twitter as it was called at the time, and yeah, there's a lot of people who have some joke about you know being with an insignificant other. It's just one of those side, things. Yeah. No, I just mean like you know they, because it's a simple wordplay, like just flipping mm. the the thing. It's it's kind of hard to do. But when you're talking about your life, um, it's it's harder to accidentally steal. Though I, I was going to say, some people have lived such similar lives sometimes that I was on a show and I was the fourth person on the show to start talking about going to a Catholic high school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it, it, it seemed like you had to be. Uh, Catholic educated if you were a comedian in Wellington just that was day. Was the show yeah. at a Catholic school? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good crowds, you know. Um, <laughs> no, it was it was just a raw meat Monday, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't bad or anything. But mm. there's something to those it's it's almost like an entry point for people. Um the a story about school or mm. a story about bullying or um just some weird thing. Like a, a lot of people have that as their entry point and then evolve out of it. Um, I think you have to evolve out of that quick, though, because everyone does Catholic high school material. 
Yeah, well, I saw. Oh, yeah. That's well, yeah, yeah. Got to start, huh? That's how Rodney Dangerfield got to start. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you blowing my mind right now. That's, that's crazy. Um, we have about two minutes left. Was there any one particular thing you wanted to get off your chest? Like uh, political issues or plugs or the just, confessions? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's grinding your gears? What is grinding your gears? Where do we start? Uh, I mean, well, this will just become uh, UFOs, probably. Yeah. Yeah, Um, they did a big UFO thing recently. I tried to look it up. Apparently not as much uh, detail was given as, you know, the hype of it made it seem. Intentionally so, yeah. Yeah, the guy who was doing the whole report was not the guy who saw any of the UFO stuff. He was just a guy who had talked Spoken to other people about all the UFO stuff. Do you believe in aliens? I don't really know. I, I don't. Right, you're a fool. All right. What about you? What? <laughs> <laughs> we could do another uh, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. three hours. Yeah. On, now we're getting uh, to the juice. Yeah, yeah. You know what's weird about that is you call me a fool, and I don't know which side of that argument I'm supposed to be on. I don't know if I'm supposed to believe in aliens or not with that fool. I guess. Only in the sounds of time will we find out. Yeah. What? Don't <laughs> don't pretend like you're saying something so deep. Yes. Yes. Feel it in your bones. Feel it in your the cockles of your heart. Um, thank you guys once again for being on the show. This has been the other day, and I've been talking to Licky Lyons and Zach Mandeville. Thank you guys so much for thank being you for on. Just the other day. a day I could erase, I would choose just the other day.